Welcome, everybody, to the newest episode of the 1796 Sports Podcast. This time, we're going to be talking about the UConn game, blowout win for the Vols. 59-3 uh, to was the final score. Your boys were there in attendance. Normal Vol fan was there in spirit. Uh, it was a good game. We got to see some Nico like we wanted. So, yeah, who wants to start us off tonight? I guess I will, since I'm like the odd one out and just happened to decide not to go to this game. Um well, I'm going to just say, I know, and I'm going to say it once, because I know we'll probably say this a hundred times. We understand it's UConn, and we understand they're 1-8. and eight, But a lot of games, they really didn't lose by a lot. The only game they lost that was bad was Duke, and that was 41-7. So this team is not that bad as people think they are. Um, but I just want to say I am extremely impressed with how we played I'm excited we got to see a bunch of our future come out and get some time. Uh, Joe Milton looked really locked in. I mean, just by seeing him throw that pass down the middle of the squirrel white was like, I I thought I was dreaming at some point. Um, But overall, great performance. Had fun watching it. A lot of scoring. Defense played insanely well. And, yeah. Yeah, I think where you start with with uh, yesterday's performance is uh, it, it went like everybody hoped it would go. I mean, mm-hmm. there, there was a little lull in the first quarter, start of the second quarter, but most of that was because they ran a trick play. And, you know, these, these little schools that come in for a paycheck normally run an offense that nobody's used to seeing. So once we got used to that, we cleaned house from there. I mean, it, it was exactly what all three of us hoped to see. So, Great performance all around. Yeah, I mean, it was a thing in the third where our defense was playing too good. Like we were all we were all getting pissed because we wanted the defense to stop scoring because we, we wanted to slow it down and see some Nico drives, which we did end up getting to see. But yeah, I mean, like you said, NVF, I feel kind of bad for UConn because if you look at their scores, so obviously other than this game, um, They've only got their ass beat twice. Now it's Georgia State and Duke. Like every game they've played has been a one-score game pretty much. So they just have a lot of bad luck. Um, you know, obviously they're nowhere near our level, but I just thought it was exactly – I mean, we didn't even play that good against an F- FCS team in Austin P. So to play that good against, you know, a school that's actually in FBS, it's pretty impressive to me. Oh, yeah, I completely agree. Uh, I'm actually really impressed with their quarterback. I, I, I understand the stats don't show it, but, I mean, for playing a Tennessee defense that is pretty good <laughs> this year, and, I mean, he's still through. And like you said, the trick plays were a thing, but, I mean, throwing 218 is pretty impressive against Tennessee, uh, inside Nealon, no less. So I'm really impressed with that. I'm, I also want to bring up, you know, how – we come out and Jalen Wright just breaks out that big run right at the beginning of the game and sets the tone right there and says, you know, we're going to be scoring some points today. And I think everyone in total played really well. I think on the offensive side of the ball, I think our offensive line was probably our worst part of our offense. And that's usually not the case. Yeah. The, the thing that made me happy was that the offense finally got multiple big plays in, in one game. I mean, and it's like normal offense said right off the start, it is UConn, but 
Have y'all ever seen a receiver more wide open than Keaton was on his touchdown? Absolutely not. I honestly, I thought like it was going to be called back for a flag or something. That's how wide open he was. He was twenty yards clear of the of the last defender in the middle of the field. I've never seen anything like that. Like it, it looked like a, a punt return. But uh, Joe Milton's third good performance in a row, um, and he was thrown over the middle too. I mean, it. it it bodes well for the rest of the season that the offense clicked in a game. And like Bryce said earlier, we didn't do that against Austin P. And we had a huge lull in the third quarter against UTSA and against Virginia in, in the first half. So this is the first time our offense has really clicked on all cylinders for most of the game. Yeah, it, it was really good to see. And Jalen Wright is so good. I mean, he is so good. Can you imagine if he was the – like lead tailback, lone tailback for a team. I mean, he would be setting records. I, I think Jalen Wright is incredible. Uh, and I know you talked about, have you ever seen anybody as open as Keaton was? I was still nervous he was going to drop it. Oh, me I, too. Me I don't too. Know, like, at the game in VF, like at, in the stadium, everybody was so quiet. I don't know if you could tell, but like you could hear a pin drop in that place because everybody was was nervous as hell that he was going to drop it because he was like walking. It, it was but no, everything, I mean, you couldn't have drawn a better script for that game. Um, Ryan got his wish. He got to see a couple of Navy Shuler snaps even. Yeah, yeah. Heath on the sideline cheering him. Oh, I know. That that dude on TV, they just were showing his dad with the biggest smile on his face. I mean, and that's all he wants, you know. Just seeing that, you know, as a dad has to be pretty amazing, especially being Heath Shuler out of all people. Yeah, I I told Bryce before the game, but I right right after we got into the stadium, it could be argued that Heath Schuler is the most important player in Tennessee football history. And if you want me to explain, I will. Go for yeah, it. Yeah, go for it. Tell the audience. Um, so before he Heath Schuler got to Tennessee, we we were one of the last few teams to run a, a wing T offense. So the quarterbacks for Tennessee had never really put up big numbers passing. And when Heath got there, which was early 90s, it showed the recruits and the quarterback, the, the quarterback recruits, that you can go to Tennessee and throw the ball around. And then one Peyton Manning committed Tennessee a few years later. So, and then Peyton Manning got in all the players that won the 98 National Championship because everybody wants to come play with Peyton. So it could be argued that he's the most important player in Tennessee football history. I, yeah, I could definitely see a point to that. I think that makes a lot of sense, actually. Um, you know, Bryce, you were speaking of scripts, okay? Mm-hmm. Tell me tell me how this script isn't written in, and I don't know if you see my tweet underneath Tennessee Football's Twitter, but it seems to me that the script is being written in blood for Tennessee here, okay? <laughs> Tennessee, this is, I don't care. We... Don't even worry about the Georgia game. You got to finish this week, okay? This is the biggest game of the of the year right here, and it's a team that the past two years you've dominated. Um, But this is a different team, okay? And I know we're not in the preview for Missouri, but I just want to bring up this script that I am starting to see and I'm talking about all the time now. If Tennessee goes in and wins this week, okay, if Georgia loses this week against Ole Miss, which is very possible, 
Ole Miss is a very good team. What the ratings for Georgia Tennessee game next week would be absolutely absurd. And you can't tell me that this that CBS does not want that to happen. They want that to happen, trust me. So I'm just saying. Are you saying we might actually get a good whistle for, for once? I'm just saying if the week, I mean, dude, 12 quarters in a row, we've had like two whistles go our way. Mm-hmm. If it's, if it's, if it's the week, this is the week to get it. If I mean, I, and I'm assuming you guys probably agree with me on that. Like it, it's been absurd that we've had all, you're telling me all three teams have played perfect against us. There's no way. No. Yeah. It, it's pretty bad. I mean, even against UConn, it wasn't great. I mean, it didn't even make a lick of difference. But when you're playing up against a good team, it will. And I can already see the writing on the wall for the game next weekend when we'll win by, like, you know, whatever. I'm not going to spoil what I think. But say we win, I can already see Mizzou fans are going to be bitching about some calls that didn't go their way. And it's like, well, I'm not going to feel bad for you at all because I, I'm not even worried about them. Like yeah. after that game's over, if we win, because I'm not going to just say, oh, we're going to win. But if we win, I am past that, not even going to talk to a Missouri fan. It is all eyes on that next week. But I think our team's locked in. I think uh, now I do want to bring up before I get into that is why did Jacob Warren not play? So, yeah, I, I was going to talk about that. So there's a couple people that if you watch the – if you look at the box score, like you won't see them. Um, so Jalen Warren, obviously, that was kind of strange. Um, Jabari Small, that was weird. Well, he was hurt. Um, he, he was sitting out because they knew that they had plenty of running backs for this game. So they, they were talking about that on uh, – the live TV, like I don't know if you guys watched it over. Oh uh, no, but, yeah, um, I, see, I didn't watch it. So anything they said on TV, I don't know. Did anybody say anything about? Um, it was weird. James Pierce did not record a stat, but he played. He played. I don't. I don't see. Well, they they don't have the defensive stats on here at all. I have it on, on the one I'm. I was just saying on the one I'm looking at. Um, you're saying James Pierce? Well, I I do know he played. He was on the field, but he didn't record a snap. Or he didn't record a stat, and he didn't play very many snaps. So I'm wondering if he was dealing with something we didn't know about, and they just wanted him to go easy. I think uh, that was the case with Jabari, too, though. I think he was – he's not hurt like he's out for the season. I think he was just taking a rest because they knew they were going to win this game. Um, but I agree. I think that's probably what we're not seeing is I think a lot of guys just took the week off just to heal up for this Missouri game. Yeah, I mean, probably a, a lot of maintenance days, and James Pierce probably didn't record a stat because UConn was getting the ball out immediately because they knew they had to. So without so, looking, I want you guys, if you've already looked, maybe you have, but do you guys know who, which uh, defender got our only sack of the day? Um, uh, It's a DB. Ryan, do you I, know off the top of your head? I know, I know it's a DB. Yeah, it was Danico Slaughter. He got the only sack of the day. Who would have had that on their bingo card? Corner man. Uh, yeah, I would have had the under if you were asking me. He actually had a really good game. Like I know we give him a lot of shit, but and he deserves it. But 
It, it is UConn, I know, but I, I thought our DBs played fantastic for the most part. I mean, there was a time at the in the first half where me and Ryan were both calling for William Martinez's head, but you know, it's that Ben don't break defense, baby. Yeah. Oh, dude, the defense, man. Oof. Yes. Speaking of the corners and such, a guy I mentioned in the preview podcast, Ricky Gibson, got in there and made some plays. Like he 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 looked good in coverage. He he got a tackle on on one of those little screens that everybody runs nowadays. Yeah, he had I four tackles he, and one TFO. Yeah, I, I thought he looked really good in in um in the second half there. Yeah, I, uh, I think. Say that again. Sorry, you guys cut out on my end. Yeah, I was just saying how Ricky Gibson, who who, who I mentioned in the preview pod, got in the game and made some plays and, and looked pretty good in coverage. Oh, I agree. I think a lot of people were talking about how he's going to be a stud. And, I mean, we all knew that when he was coming in. I mean, the kids got insane talent. Um, I, think, I think we got to see a little bit more of him. But... Just watching that game, man, I think he's gonna be he's gonna be special as he, you know, progresses through the years. Yeah. I, I wanna know who of the young guys we saw that y'all were most impressed with besides Nico. Uh uh I mean, if you're I guess in my opinion, I, I mean are we going both offense and defense or just one in general? Sure, both. All, All right, well, well yeah, we'll do one for each. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I will start with offense. My my offensive uh, standout for a young, you know, we're talking freshman, you know, and lower, right? Yeah. Okay, well, I'm going with Cam Selden. Easy. I think that kid's going to be a stud when he, you know, gets opportunity. I mean, he's not going to get much, obviously, because of our three-headed monster in the backfield. But it's just... The fact that he's our fourth to come in is scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's a great pick. That's who I was going to pick, but I'm not going to, you know, be in with for the sake of originality. Dude, honestly, I'm really impressed by Ethan Davis. I mean, it's knowing that, you know, Warren isn't going to be here next year, I think it's good to know that we we have some tight end depth. Um, I don't I don't know if Castles will come back either. Yeah, he's he's a senior. I don't know if he'll take a COVID year or whatever, but knowing that we have Ethan Davis as a freshman tight end who is built like a tight end. I mean, he's six five, came in and got two catches with thirty three yards, kind of in mop up time. So that was cool to see. Yeah, that was also mine, Bryce. E- Ethan Davis looks like a future star at, at tight end. I mean, he's built like exactly what you'd want a college tight end to be built like. Yeah, for sure. So, am I assume I'm assuming your guys' answer for defense is Ricky Gibson? Yes. Yeah, R- Ricky okay. Gibson. I, I, he, I know it's UConn. We, we already said it, but I think he, he should be playing over Turnage at, or Slaughter at, at this point. Well, the the reason that they're not is probably just because they're seniors. But that, I, yeah, I thought. The, go ahead. I thought Jeremiah T. Lander looks looks really good. Every time he plays, he I feel like he looks better. Yeah, yeah, that's another one. I mean, Arian Carter didn't play because of uh, a little injury, I think, but he's also resting up for you know this week coming up. But that's who I was going to say. I think Jeremiah T. Lander is showing that 
we have nothing to worry about at the linebacker position in the future with him and Carter. I think we're going to be completely fine as long as they stay healthy. I mean, plus Elijah Herring. I mean, Elijah Herring's doing really well for having to step up in that role. Yeah, I, I think the the injury to Peely in the very first game is somewhat of a blessing in disguise. It was a rental anyway. It was a, a transfer senior, so I, I hate to see him not do what he could do for Tennessee, but it's it's gonna be it's gonna pan out better in the future, in my opinion, to get these freshmen in there playing a lot of snaps. Yeah, for sure. Now we automatically have to talk about Nico. I think oh my god, can that dude move in the pocket or what? That like I and I we say it a hundred times during this podcast. We understand it's UConn, but he did it during the Virginia game. I mean when he gets pressured in the pocket, this kid is so elusive. And if he could just, like, stay on his feet, that that t- that little run he had, I say little, I mean, it was a big run. That would have been a touchdown if he stayed on his feet. And, yeah. I mean, the dude throws darts. Even his touchdown pass. He did a little fake run, got the guys to move up just a little bit. Made cat threw a dart to Castles, and of course Castles got into the end zone. But I mean, spot on pass, great read, little fake. I, I love it all. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, I mean he had a, a few misfires, but I think most of that was for nerves. It was the first time he's getting to play in front of the the, the starting offensive line on, on on his first drive, and really the first time he's gotten to go out and sling it for a full drive. So he had a few misfires, but he has a sixth sense. In, in in the pocket that's unlike anything that I've seen from a Tennessee quarterback. I mean, he shoulder dips and gets out of there and it will find somebody downfield or a run. Like he he's going to be a star. Oh, especially with all the talent coming in. Like, I mean, you got squirrel white coming back. You mm-hmm. got probably brew McCoy. I mean, at this point you got to think he's coming back, but we'll say we'll just put him in there just, because, but you have those two returning. You got Mike Matthews coming in. You got Braylon Staley coming in. You probably got another wide receiver eventually going to come in. And then you got Caleb Webb. You got Nathan Leacock. You got, um, what's this Nimrod. guy's name? Nimrod. I mean, yeah, you got a lot of weapons coming in that Nico's going to throw to. And... I'd be worried if I was some, you know, bigger teams. You got te- this, and we all figure that Tennessee, I guess, does Tennessee still have a shot? Absolutely, they do. But, I mean, we have to have some things fall our way. But no one really thought this year was going to be the national championship year. But next year, the year after that, you're starting to think about it. And once Hypo gets this these recruits in and starts, you know, getting the talent back to where Tennessee's used to having, especially with a guy like Nico at the helm. Oh boy, better watch out. And then you got to think about the guy after Nico. If we could swoop in uh, George McIntyre, you better watch out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, yeah. The future is exceedingly bright. And there, there's rumors out of Knoxville from, from the facility, according to, Russell Smith from Fox Sports Knoxville that they think they have their Trevor Lawrence and, and Nico. So if the defense continues to progress, 
and the offense gets back to the level it was in 2022. And especially with the playoff expanded to 12 teams, you're looking at a playoff team for the next two to three years if everything goes how we hope it does. Oh boy, don't get me started. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying not to get into the the preview, so I'm like, I'm trying to like withhold all this stuff. Um, but overall, I mean, going into the defense, man, like, I you guys saw my tweets. I'm I'm literally begging the defense to stop scoring. Like, <laughs> everyone yeah. knew because even the first the the first touchdown, I was like, okay, well. Nico's going in now. Like, there's no point in keeping Joe in. I'm like, because if Joe stayed in, I mean, we could have scored 100 on him. And uh, my thing was, then it was another one and another one. And I'm like, okay, relax. I was like, it's Nico time. Back off. Yeah. Like, get him on fourth down. Let him punt. Give us the ball. We want Nico. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) he did it. And I, I was very impressed. I know, like you said, the little – it was definitely the nerves. You could tell. I mean, even by the run, like, he got so excited that he was about to score and he just tripped over his own feet. Yeah. So. Yeah, the – as much as it was annoying, it's, it's hard to say it's annoying to watch Tennessee score touchdowns, but I, I was happy to see those three seniors for the defense get into the end zone. Oh, yeah, bro. And Absolutely. Especially after I kind of – Dragged him after the Kentucky game, Aaron Beasley. I did. I was. A, you were the first yeah. person I thought of after yeah. he scored. I was like, pretty sure Ryan said that he hasn't yeah. been doing anything. He just said Aaron Beasley sucks. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I need to talk shit about Joe Milton more. Maybe with over four hundred yards next week. I hey, I don't get like. I think Joe is so locked in right now, and and that's. I'm trying not to be biased. Like I'm. I'm trying to be. You know as professional as possible, but I, I'm telling you, I don't know what it is, but you, if Joe tries that pass in week two or three or four, he's not hitting it. No. That was a dart. That that was probably his best throw of the season. To score Dude, it middle. definitely was his best. And as soon as I saw his final box score in the car, I was like, yep, this is going to, this is another NVF game where there's literally nothing to complain about from Joe. And I mean, you know, people can say it's UConn, it's UConn, it's UConn, whatever. Who cares? But how long has it been since Joe was like actively a problem? Yeah. Uh, I mean, my my point is like, it's a great sign that he's doing what he's supposed to be doing, and that might be all you need. I mean, especially when the defense is playing like it is, when the running backs are playing like they are. Like, we don't need him to be freaking prime Cam Newton and Auburn. Like, we just would it be need nice, him. yes. It would be very nice, but we just need him <laughs> to not – we just need him to not screw it up. And he's doing fantastic at that. Of late. Yeah, uh, he, he's doing a lot more than not screwing it up the last two games. I mean, and if anybody says, oh, well, it's UConn, Joe Milton played like shit against Austin P. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> like, this is a good sign for – going through these last three games that he's continuing his momentum. And I think it goes back to how I mentioned after Kentucky game that Josh Heupel's figured out what works for Joe Milton and what doesn't. And he's calling plays that utilize his talents the best way. And yeah. like I said, I said, uh, I told you before the game, Ryan, I was like, I even when Milton plays bad, 
it's hard for me to give him too much shit because you can tell he has so much fun playing for this team. Like, you can just tell, like, he cares so much. Like, he wants to do good for Tennessee. Every time – I noticed that at the game Saturday, every time um, there was, like, a, you know, a long touchdown, like Jalen Wright's touchdown or uh, Keaton's wide-open touchdown, he would look back and, like, dance with the crowd. It was just – he's just a cool guy, and I want him to do good. And it's good to see – hopefully, it feels like he's turned a corner for this stretch run and it couldn't have happened at a better time. I absolutely agree. I mean, like I said, I think Joe is locked in right now. I think he's got the confidence at the right time. Uh, I think the whole team as a whole has the confidence, and I said it back at the Kentucky game. I said, I said, you you win this game. Get the, get the confidence, get the hype, go beat UConn, and you continue it into Missouri. If Tennessee beats Missouri, mark my words, it don't matter if Georgia wins or not or loses this weekend or not. Tennessee and Neyland are going to be there to win that game. If it's for the SEC East or not, this team is going to be so hungry if they win this game this weekend. And mark my words, it's going to be it's going to be a good game in 2 weeks. Yeah, even if it's not for the East, you have a chance to end their winning streak. You have a chance to Keep your home winning streak alive. Yeah, you have a chance to put yourself in a better position for a New Year's Six Bowl. You, th- there's a lot to play for, even if Georgia doesn't lose. Yeah, it's it's gonna be a fun week. I, I'm I'm withholding all my crap talking this week. I'm kind of. It also helps that basketball starts tomorrow, but um, I think it's gonna be a fun week. I I, I hope these guys are as locked in as I think they're going to be. And I think uh, we have a pretty good shot. I don't know if you guys seen the ESPN uh, little robot thing that predicts like the percentage of winning. Yeah. Well, it has us. I think it's like 60 something percent or 63 or 4% to win. You know what though? Honestly, I kind of like it better when they give us no chance to win. Like I I was kind of hoping FPI would come out and be like 82%. Missouri implied win probability because I don't know. I feel like we play very good when we're, our backs are against the wall, but we'll definitely get into that later though, because uh, I mean, I don't know. I I'm pumped for this game though, because I feel like there's so much, technically there is so much still to play for. I mean, some things still need to happen for us, but for the most part, I mean, everything's in front of us. Listen to me. I think Ole Miss is better than Missouri. I know people say, that I mean, I even said it. I thought Missouri was going to be the best shot for them to lose, but Jackson Dart and Keyshawn Junkins, they ain't no joke. I mean, I, what's their wide receiver's name? Uh, Trey Harris, I think his name is. He's had a hundred yards in the past three games, mm-hmm. and I'm telling you, Ole Miss ain't no joke, and they're. This is a huge game for them as well. So they're not coming in thinking, "Oh, it's Georgia. We're probably going to lose." They are. They want to win this game, probably more than Georgia does, to be honest. And we'll see. I I think th- this weekend could be insane. Because is Georgia the night game? I couldn't tell you. I think they are. Because if we're three thirty, then they have to be the night game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they they're not putting that game at noon. No way. So yeah. Yeah. So 
I mean, think yeah, about I, it. Tennessee goes in, beats Missouri, and they're in that locker room watching that game. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Ole Miss has – they need that game to stay alive in the West, too. Like, they're going to be fired up to play that game. And Lane Kiffin, he – I don't think he's really ever had a huge signature win as a head coach. So, he wants it just as much as Tennessee fans want it. Oh, my God. We're we going to be the biggest Ole Miss fans ever. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And like I said, I mean, it all depends. I mean, we have to win the game first, but uh, other than that, I mean, it's it's going to be i uh, – I'll be an Ole Miss fanboy if we win. <laughs> Guys, did anybody else get giddy whenever you saw D. Williams catch that jet sweep? No, I yeah, thought he was gone, bro. We've been asking for that for so long. I know. It, it, it's – that's another guy you can add to that group of receivers, normal ball fan. I think so, too. I think that guy's going to be electric. I mean, just the speed, him and Swirl White at the same time? Like, come on now. Yeah. And um, I, I want to read y'all a quote from one Jim Mora after this game. This is really what I wanted. This is what, what was highlighted in my Word document for this podcast. Um. Jim Morris said, the only thing I can say, it it was a tough game. I'm proud of our guys for the class that they showed on that football field before, during, and after the game. Uh, what the hell are you talking about? What? <laughs> go, go look it up. I'm, that is an absolute quote from, from, from Jim Mora. After his team ran wind sprints 20 yards on our side of the field an hour before the game, and then he shook Heifel's hand for half a second and said something with his back turned, like – he was being a bitch, and apparently some player got Tyler Barron redneck mad after the game, and Tyler Barron looked like he wanted to whoop somebody's ass. So I don't know what you're talking about with class. Take it out on Missouri, please. Yes, please. But Jim Mora, like, the, the, I don't know if he was upset that we scored 59 points because it could have been a lot worse. We could have yeah, scored, scored at the end. We could have scored 100. We put in our four-string quarterback, like, if you're worried about that, then you're you're just a buffoon. Bum. Straight bums. He was probably just pissed. I mean, because he's sitting at one in seven. I mean, one in eight, whatever they are. I mean, I, that that blew my mind whenever I read that quote. Like <laughs> Yeah, before the game. I don't know. NBA, I, did, did you see that? I mean, I didn't know like if you I'm pretty sure you put a tweet out about it normal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it blew up. Um uh, one of the girl uh, reporters put it out about the little scuffle. It wasn't like a, a scuffle, but they were talking shit, the hypo. And yeah. I was just like, that's like the w- last person to do that to. Yeah, and like it's I just said, weird. Like, especially like, it's just weird to do stuff like that, especially when you have zero, you have less than zero chance of winning the game. Like, at least, like, Austin P talked a lot of shit too, but at least they backed it up somewhat. Yeah, I don't know where he's getting that his team showed any type of class. Like, <laughs> you, you if you if you want to show class, you don't say something with Josh Apple's back turned. Josh Apple turns around like he's looking at what the hell did you just say to me? Like, he, he's a clown. That's why he failed in the NFL, and that now why he's at UConn. Yeah, well, you know everything comes back to you real quick. I mean, just the fact that. 
we were up. We could have been up like 50 to nothing pretty much at half and uh, pretty much took it easy on him. But, uh, yeah, I don't understand his quote. It makes no sense. I think he's just doing it for the media headlines, but everyone, every Tennessee fan knows that ain't true. Uh, and one more thing. How many players are on a normal Division One college roster? Like 100, 120 if you're playing at home? Are suited up or not suited up? Either way. It's probably I think it's uh, yeah, I think it's cuz there's 80, I think there's 80 something scholarship players. Yeah. Well, we played 83 players in that game and he's whining. Like we clearly took the foot off the gas. So that's my yeah. random Jim Mora Jr. Well, this is the same this is the same dork that a couple years ago, several years ago, uh, legendary Bill Snyder at Kansas State. I don't know if y'all remember that, but it was like a big thing at the time. Like he wouldn't shake his hand. It was like yeah. his last year as a coach. He's just always been a, a freak. Like he's always been a weirdo. Like, so whatever. Go back to Connecticut, your cold ass state with your one win team. Yeah. That's, and that's a fact, Jack. <laughs> yeah. So anyway. I guess what I'm saying is the main point of tonight is 10 and two is still a possibility. Very possible. It's a possibility for sure. Go Ole Miss. Obviously we need Ole Miss to win. And then, Hey, actually, you know what though? Tomorrow, I know you guys probably listened to it already. We, it went up this morning, our basketball preview podcast. Um, you know, next time we get together, we'll have seen a basketball game take place. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, and I, I want to I want to get y'all's thoughts on this before we close this thing out. Alabama and Georgia continue to have things happen to them from officiating that would not happen to any other team in the SEC. Like Dallas Turner's hit on Jane Daniels is a five-game suspension in the NFL. And they didn't even review it for targeting. Dude, he literally did a WWE finishing move on him in front of the ref, like two feet from a ref. Yeah, they didn't even look at it. And then Kirby Smart bitched enough to get an offensive pass interference taken off the board. Like, I, I it's just so odd. They, they don't even try to hide it at, at this point. Uh, Jim, did you see that play that he's talking about? So they had yes. – we, we were watching – when we got back from the Tennessee game, we were watching a little bit of the Georgia game. And, you know, Missouri, we were getting excited because Missouri was – they looked yeah. good at this point. It looked good. And then uh, it looked like they got a big stop or whatever. And they called an offensive pass interference, which – first of all, Ryan, we were confused at the time because you can't review an – off you can't review offensive pass interference or any pass interference. So they figured out some way to review it anyway. It had some what, – what did they end up saying, Ryan? It was something about the line of scrimmage, if the right. ball passed it or not. And it wasn't intentional grounding because there was a player within 50 yards. <laughs> well, listen to this, and I'm going to shout out somebody here on Twitter. It was like I – can't, I can't remember how close it was to that call, but I literally tweeted. I said, we got ourselves a ball game here, and – First comment on it says, no, you don't. The inevitable game-changing penalty is coming, dot, dot, dot. 
and he got it right. He was pretty close to when, you know, it happened and it did. It changed the game completely. And well, it's just not, a, I mean, at this point, everybody's going to say like, we're being whiny bitches, but like at this point, it's just a fact. I mean, every single freaking game they play, something happens that completely turns the tide. It's just inexplicable. It wouldn't happen to anybody else, but if Saban or Kirby are in trouble, something happens to make it at least an interesting situation. So, sorry. No, you're good. I'm gonna I'm gonna say something about that. If you have to be no brain, no nothing, got to be a tree or something to not notice the fact that Tennessee, the past three weeks, twelve quarters of football, you're telling me. And we're not even talking about just the Alabama game. Everyone knows that game was not officiated fairly. And, but 12 quarters and you're two penalty calls coming our way. That's it. That's, that's just not right. And I get, you know, UConn, we were beating them up and stuff, but still, and it's ridiculous. And that's why I'm saying that don't be shocked. And I'm kind of speaking for Missouri fans here too. But do not be shocked if Tennessee gets a bunch of calls their way this week because of the ratings. I, I'm telling you, the script is on the wall here. And I'm, well, they're gonna give it. They might give us some calls this weekend just so they can dick us the next weekend. Well, right. That's all it is. They just want the ratings. <laughs> yeah. It, the fact I'm telling you, Georgia Tennessee with Georgia losing this week and Tennessee winning this week would be probably the most watched college football game in a long time yeah you both you'd probably have two top 10 teams playing in Neyland on on CBS so oh it's guaranteed I I guarantee you if Tennessee wins this week that Tennessee will be a top 10 team and then Georgia Georgia won't drop a lot they'll probably drop to three or four and it's going to be a interesting thing to see what happens well I mean the shitty thing about it, though, is I wish I was going to that game because I'm going to have to sit at home and listen to Gary Danielson's slot. Oh, my God. It's, Two weeks in a row. Dude, it, I might jam a screwdriver into my ears. It, yeah, I'm glad I'm going to the Georgia game. I mean, Gary Danielson is such a joke. Like, it, it's going to be unbearable. He's going to be – Tennessee's going to, like, pick off Carson Beck. And Gary Danielson's going to be like, pass interference, offense or defense pass interference. Where's the flag? Where's the flag? No, that's terrible. You got to call a flag there. It's, it's going to be a joke. They need to review the pass interference. I think he bobbled it. If anybody can, if anybody thinks we're like being babies about it, just watch, just watch a game objectively. Listen, they they won't though. And they don't do it. And I, I do have to say this. It's not just Tennessee. Because they do it to every SEC team that's not Bama or Georgia. Like, if you last year, so my father-in-law is a huge Arkansas fan, and if you ever listen to like Arkansas play Alabama, it is absurd how just how just openly biased the announcers are against Arkansas. Like, anytime KJ Jefferson made a good play, they were like, Alabama's defense just is not is not playing good today. Like, like what? Like, just give people credit. Like, it is so – they don't even try to hide it. If uh, if if Jalen Melrose would have taken the hit that Jane, Jane Daniels did, 
Gary Danielson would have been tearing his clothes off and cutting himself in, in protest. Like, and he, and he barely said anything. He was like, oh, they're not reviewing that for targeting. It's like, really? Like, I, I, I could not believe that. And it, like, like Bryce said, if you don't believe us, just go and listen to any game of anybody playing Alabama on CBS or, or Georgia. Yeah, it's it's pretty ridiculous. And like I said, I'm telling you, come back to this podcast. We will clip this and have it ready in, in the holster for how this weekend goes. I am telling you, if it happens, I called it, I said it here first. It's just written on the wall for these TV places to get their money and just open your eyes. That's all I'm saying. Well, How many uh, times have I been right, Bryce? How many times? A lot. A few. Hey, I'm I'm just saying this. I'm all for sports being rigged if it benefits my team. Exactly. Let's go ahead. Alabama's Uh, had enough. Yeah, you know what? Hey, CBS executives, uh, hear me out here. This is – I want all of the credit and none of the blame for this. So my idea is you need a new, hot, up-and-coming team to slob all over. Gary Danielson's getting tired of writing Nick Saban. So it's not Georgia. Georgia's already old news. Georgia's boring. Georgia doesn't have anything. Everyone expects them to win. They got a big, fat slob dog as their mascot. It's not cute. There's nothing fun about it. What you need to do is you need whoever writes the script for college football. You need to make Tennessee your new darling because we have the most insane pack of hillbillies you've ever seen. And – we're entertaining. We're fun. We have a great coach. We have fun players. We have tradition. We have the best stadium in sports. Rig it in our favor, dude. Come on. Listen, our coach has a dang cartoon after him, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I mean, you want to see a couple grown men cry? Let us win. A couple, a couple, Hundred thousand. That's true. So, yeah. Anyways, I think we got past the UConn game, but that's okay. That's okay. Yeah, there's only so much you can say about, you know, something that. Now, I do want to say one last thing before we end it. Okay. Let me just tell you. I don't know. I can't remember his name, but yeah, I do. Justin Jolly. Yeah. Tight end UConn, if you ever hear this, He's we want you, buddy. We want you. We'll take you. I'll I'll get you a little Tennessee bomber jacket, okay? <laughs> I don't care what it takes, man. We want you. He's from New York, too. That's where I'm from. Come on. Tennessee's Make great. Make it happen. Knoxville's amazing. You'll be on a winning team. You deserve better. That's Make all I'm going to say. We'll get you NIL money, too. You're not you, you. What are you getting at UConn? Like, imagine, imagine Justin Jolly, McCastles, and Ethan Davis. <laughs> Watch out! Yeah, that. In all seriousness, Jolly and I'm forgetting their quarterback's name, but I felt really bad for those two because I think their quarterback is too good to play at UConn. I'm, and I yeah, I said that. Yeah, uh, Taquan, Taquan Robertson. Yeah, he, he, Robertson and Jolly should both are, are both good enough to play at a Power Five school. They're all from the the uh, New York area, so 
A lot of New York people go to like Yukon. It's so close. Yeah, I mean, there's not in New York City. I mean, I wouldn't think. Oh, you got is Syracuse and Albany, but Albany's not a big school, really. When you look at sports, you got the Buffalo Bulls. Oh yeah, sick. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bulls. Well, but anyways, uh, we'll be doing our preview podcast here in the next couple of days. Um, I'm sure we'll be doing a Tennessee basketball recap for the Tennessee Tech game. And there's going to be a lot of uh, 1796 here coming up with basketball and football. Come, you know, football's coming close to an end, sadly. But you got uh, basketball and baseball is going to start soon. So it's going to be a fun uh, little uh, journey we're about to be on. It's the most wonderful time of the year. The concert will be flowing at rates unseen. Oh, my God. My stress levels are going to go through the roof. Just imagine you got a basketball game Friday and then the Missouri game Saturday. Like, God. (laughs) But anyways, Bryce, if you want to lead us out here. All right, everybody. That was our recap of the Tennessee-UConn game. Uh, In a couple days, we'll be recording the Mizzou preview podcast everybody will want to tune into that one we'll have some we'll definitely have some things to say about that so that'll be it that's the latest episode and we might ball. be having a special guest too yeah well well to be continued yes stay updated check our twitter we'll, we'll keep you updated there and uh that'll be it go balls go, go balls, balls baby <laughs>